welcome to the Good Good Experience Podcast. Where related minds talk about related topics. And we all just happen to be related. Buckle up, this is going to be a good one. We've got that good good experience podcast. Hey guys, here we go again for another exciting edition of We Got the Good Good Experience. We're related minds talking about related topics, and we all just happen to be related. And we've got a great show lined up for you guys today. But before we get into that, we got to get into our newest segment of this podcast, the Lady Mo moment from First Lady Amanda Marcus of Freedom Church in Albany, Georgia. And here we go right now with the Lady Mo moment. Take it away, sis. Hello, good, good family. This is Lady Amanda Marcus with Freedom Church of Albany, Georgia. And this is your Lady Mo moment. Have you ever asked yourself, what is my purpose? Why am I here? The definition of purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Oftentimes as people, we're looking for our purpose. We tap into our things that we like. We tap into our strengths, our talents, our gifts, things that we're good at in search of our purpose. But have you ever thought, maybe, I am purpose. Maybe I am the reason for which something is done, created, or for which something exists. Maybe I am a mother. Maybe I am a good employee. Maybe I am a good husband or wife. So instead of thinking, what is my purpose? Say to yourself, I am purpose. I am the reason why my children are here. I am the reason why this company makes numbers every single month. Instead of searching for your purpose, know that you are purpose. And that is your Lady Mo moment. And now back to Marcus, Kimmy, and Byron for that good, good experience. And that was the Lady Mo moment. Thank you so much, sis, for your input and for that wonderful word of inspiration. Now, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for that. We've got the good, good experience. Hey, I'm Marcus Moses, and I can't do this thing without my cousin co-host, Kimmy. What's going on? The queen of sound. What's up? Marcus, darling. How's the good, good family today? We tired as hell, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to be all right. You're going to be all be right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't do this again without my cousin co-host, Byron Baxter, B-Note Brown, in that order. What's up, buddy? What's up, Marcus? No ways tired up in this joint. What's up, Kimmy? Let's get this party started right now. Right now. But you sound like Buddy from Life. I want everybody on this line. <laughs> right, now. Right, now. right now. Hey, guys. Hey, this week we've got a brand new episode for you guys. We're traveling back to 1989. And as we did Ooh. the preparation for this episode, we mm. found out there was a lot of good music back mm-hmm. in 1989. And we're going to give it all to you on this episode today. But before we get into that, we got to get to our good, good segment. And this week, we want to do something a little different. We're still in February. And most of you know, February is Black History Month. And so what we decided to do, we decided to salute somebody that was influential um, in the African-American community and culture and salute them 
uh, for our good, good segment. Without further ado, Byron, you're up first, buddy. Well, all right, Marcus. Well, my good, good Black History fact is on Clive Campbell, also known as DJ Cool Herc. Born April 16, 1955, Cool Herc is a Jamaican-American DJ credited with contributing to the development of hip-hop music through his back-to-school jam in the Bronx of New York in the 1970s. The event was hosted by Clive and his younger sister, Cindy Campbell, at 1520 Sedgwick Avenue. Cindy was inspired to throw the party as a means of earning money for back-to-school clothes. She promoted and organized the event, which was held out of their apartment. Now, Campbell played hard funk records of the sort typified by James Brown, and after noticing that the dancers liked the heavy percussive part of the songs the best, he began to isolate the instrumental portion of the record, emphasizing the drum beat. This became known as the break. He then switched from one break to another using a disco DJ setup consisting of two turntables and two copies of the same record to elongate the break. This breakbeat DJing using funky drum solos formed the basis of hip hop music. Now, while playing the breaks, Campbell's called out to dancers to help lead to the syncopated rhythmically spoken accompaniment, which is now known as rapping. He called the dancers break boys and break girls, simply known as b-boys and b-girls today. When they began to dance to his breaks, they were described as breaking. Herc noted that breaking was a slang for getting excited, acting energetically, or causing a disturbance. He coined the terms b-boy, b-girl, and breaking, which became part of the lexicon now known as hip-hop culture. Media began calling this style breakdancing, in the 1980s. Herc soon became a folk hero in the Bronx, taking his style and collective, the Herculoids, to nearby clubs such as Havalo, Twilight Zone, Executive Playhouse, and the PAL on 183rd Street, as well as high schools such as Dodge and Taft. His sound system, the Herculoids, is still legendary for its sheer volume. Campbell's DJ style was quickly taken up by figures including Africa Bambada and Grandmaster Flash. Cool Herc never made the move into commercially recorded hip hop in its earlier years, but in May of 2019, he released his first vinyl record with Aaron Green, better known as Mr. Green, who's an American musician from Highland Park, New Jersey. The record was called The Last of the Classic Beats, on which Herc is the narrator. And that is my good, good Black History moment. What is yours, Kimmy? All right. Well, I'll tell you what's good, good. My Black History moment is about HBCUs and the 180 plus years of success by our beloved HBCUs, which is driven by a visceral promise of support to all students. HBCUs offer a safe and nurturing environment for everyone, Black, White, Asian, Latinx, the wealthy, the less advantaged, and all in between. HBCUs consistently outperform non-HBCUs in student experience, affordability, and after-college preparedness for Black students. And they provide students something they can't get anywhere else, a diverse and inclusive community of scholarship that celebrates the richness of the entire American experience. Me as a graduate of Payne College, an HBCU in Augusta, Georgia, and Byron being also a graduate of what school, Byron? Southern University, Baton Rouge. Thank you. So we are 
beloved alumni. Thank you. We are alumni <laughs> of these great institutions, and we definitely want to celebrate them this Black History Month. So, what's up with you? What's good, good on your end, Marcus? Hey, what's good going on my end? I want to salute Miss Gladys Maywest. So, guys, the next time you get lost and decide to put in an address to find out where you're going, make sure you thank Miss Gladys Maywest, who is an American mathematician known for her contributions to the mathematical modeling of the shape of the Earth and her work on the development of the satellite geodesy models that were eventually incorporated into the what we call now the Global Positioning System, or GPS. West was inducted into the United States Air Force Hall of Fame in 2018 and was awarded the Webby Lifetime Achievement Award at the 25th Annual Webby Awards for the development of the satellite GODC models. And that's what's good, good on my end. So, ladies and gentlemen, our episode for this week is 1989, guys. And we did prep. I'm telling you, man, when we did the preparation for this guy, we just had no idea. I'm pretty sure Byron did, but oh yeah. Had, oh yeah. 1989 was a great year for music. I'm telling you, there was so much going on that we can't even talk about. I don't think it's scratching surface, nothing. actually. I'm telling you, man. I can't think of nothing else but to do but to just get into it, guys. What do you think? Let's All go. right, let's get into it. Our first one. First, we want to our condolences to De La Soul for the loss of True Goy or Plug One. It just broke my heart when I got that news that he had gone on to glory. So our first will be De La Soul, me, myself, and I. Mirror, mirror on the wall. the only one with the energy right now come on y'all this music makes you hype i need to see y'all yeah. moving come on yeah. we try we try him come on here we go here we go <laughs> i'm sorry so, here we go don't play you just want to get up don't you just want to get up and just again, i mean it's this music makes you happy right play it again kim play it again okay i'm playing it again <laughs> <laughs> Mirror on the wall, tell me, mirror, what is wrong? Can it be my daylight clothes or is it just my daylight song? What I do ain't make believe. People say I sit and try, but when it comes to being daylight, it's just me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. Yes, All yes, right. yes. And that was me, myself, and I by the hip-hop group 
Daylight sold from their 1989 album Three Foot High and Rising. This is their only number one single that hit the R&B charts, and it's also number one on the U.S. Club Play char charts. Of course, you know the sample from the music from George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic song Knee Deep, which is one of the greatest songs in all mm -hmm. of black culture. And again, I want to say also our condolences to the hip hop family and De La Soul on the loss of True Goy again. This is one of our missions for this podcast, you know, to preserve the music because it seems like we're losing all of our all of our artists daily and whatnot. But however, this song is a staple and not just in hip hop, but the R&B community. There was no way we we're going to do this episode without this particular song. And what say you guys? Mm. Well, the only thing I'm going to say is when De La Soul came onto the scene, it gave us another facet of hip hop to identify with. I know I immediately identified with just the way they appeared, the way they presented themselves. It, it just brought hip hop to a different level. They were um, different. They were, were so different. They were the, the not mild mannered, but they brought in the Daisy Age. And yeah. we didn't Down feel earth, exactly you know. like it, it allowed us to frolic in the daisies, something that we weren't allowed to do. You know, we weren't allowed to be that, that, that intellectual. And it was, it was always kind of hard before, but they brought in a more, a, a lighter side to it, but they still were speaking straight knowledge. And that's why I loved Native Tongue, De La Soul, mm -hmm. Jungle Brothers, Tribe Called Tribe Quest. Tribe Quest, Queen Latifah, um, Moni Love. I loved yeah. all of oh. them. So they were my heart. I mean, De La yeah. Soul and Tribe Called Quest just went together with me. And to, again, commemorate this pivotal moment, we're going to play De La Soul Buddy, which incorporates mm. oh, everybody. Man. And this is yes. the remix, yeah. right? This is the remix. Yes. Yes, the the native tongue decision version. Hello, it's the soul, trooping in with the jungle patrol. And this one's about the chaos, the knockouts out there who I call my buddy. Wait, we're gonna talk about buddy on this plate. But before we let the herd out the gate, make sure all the levels are straight out. The jungle, the jungle, the brothers, the brothers. Daylight so on a road. Black medallions, no gold. Hanging out with bars, hanging out with mates. Buddy, 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 y'all in my face. Both the lap. Zimbrowski must wear a cap Just in case the young girl likes to clap Ain't for the win, but before I begin I initiate the body with the slap Drop the beat Alright, yes. right Buddy is the third single released by De La Soul From their Three Feet High and Rising album This was, it may not have gotten on the pop charts But in on the R&B charts This is one of those songs that everybody just loved mm -hmm. So, again we love you, De La Soul, and rest in peace, True Goy. Yeah, De La Soul were innovative, not just with their style, yes, but, but with the, just how music was produced above all. You know, they reached in some, into pots that had not been reached into before, because up to that point, it was more James Brown, you know, typical breakbeat type of stuff, mm -hmm. similar to what I mentioned with Cool Hurt. And then now we're, we're expanding, you know, we're getting into the, the jazz stuff, we're getting into like the old R&B little snippets of just songs that you would not have thought would be sampled for hip hop. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, the jazz sampling kind of started 
it didn't immediately start with De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest, but that's when they actually made it mainstream when mm-hmm. you actually heard that jazz in hip hop song. So they yeah, started were, thinking outside of the box for sure. Exactly. Exactly. They were extremely yep. innovative and they changed the game. You know, real quick, I want to say this. Hip hop celebrates their 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really feel like had they ex- had hip hop been born maybe seven, eight years earlier, De La Soul probably if they existed back then. They would probably be the, at the top of the charts during the Woodstock area, you know, mm-hmm. just to be perfectly honest, because that's just a, that's when I think that's what I think about. Mm-hmm. When I see like De La Soul's uh, videos and and their their style and, and whatnot, you know, I just think about Woodstock and just colors and stuff like that. So again, you know, big shout out to De La Soul, rest in peace to True Goy. And again, speaking you know, of which, speaking of the 50th anniversary, were they part of these celebrations at the Grammys? I, I don't recall them being up there. I know I Queen Latifah was up there. There's a lot of people. I, I don't I think that they. I'm not really sure. I think I Tribe was Boy there. Travel, but hmm. yeah. I'm pretty sure Tribe was there. But a lot of there was a whole conversation about oh, I I wasn't invited, or this person wasn't there, that person wasn't there. If they had everybody that had a hand in hip hop from 1973 to now, the show would still be going on right, right. now. Right. <laughs> they just that, that was everybody the disclaimer that they put out. They I think LL Cool J said that you know we know how people feel, right? The stage is not big enough for everybody. <laughs> Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah. And what's next, Kim? All right. Now we're going to go into a very pivotal song for 1989 that I think we, it's not going to be just one person's pick. It's all of our picks because we love this song and it's Soul to Soul. Keep on moving. Yes. <laughs> you gotta love Soul to Soul. Can anyone say anything bad about Soul to Soul? Take your time, oh. Take your time. Walk us through this thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> Take your time, baby. Take okay. your time. Okay. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Keep On Moving is a song by British Soul and R&B band Soul to Soul. It is the second single released from their debut album, Club Classics. Volume one, Keep On Moving was the title in the United States after the single Fair Play. It is one of two songs on the album which features the British R&B singer Karen Wheeler. The other one being Back to Life, However Do You Want Me, another banger, by the way. Mm-hmm. And it became one of Soul to Soul's most successful songs. It reached number five on the UK singles chart upon its release in March of 1989 and number 11 on the US Billboard Hot 100. And it was even more successful on the Billboard's R&B chart where it hit number one. All right. So the song was produced by Nelly Hooper and Jazzy B. 
And it was originally only to feature Karen Wheeler as a guest vocalist on the song. But after recording the song in 1988, Wheeler was added to the lineup of Soul to Soul. And the song became the title track of the group's American release, Keep On Moving. What do you all have to say about this timeless gem? You know, again, this was all of our picks. I mean, it's not just one particular pick. This was like, such, like Kim said, it was such a pivotal song. And it was like a kind of like a leeway to the other banger. How do you want it, man? I mean, it's, this is just, man, oh, man, it's just a timeless classic. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you know, even now, as tired as we are this morning, this song kind of gave me a little pick-me-up. I love this song. I love all the elements of it. I love the production of it. It just makes you want to dance. Yes. And... I will note that Byron got to pick the song before the rest of us did. Yeah. So Byron picked it, <laughs> but it was all on our minds. Yeah. Before great minds <laughs> think alike. Great, like great minds are in sync, yeah. as always. But this is, takes me back to being in high school, and and this song played all the time. But usually oh when God. songs are played and played and played all the time, you get sick of it. But I never got sick of the song because it was just it's so... It's like hearing it the first time every time I hear it. To me. Exactly. It's like, exactly. It's like my first time hearing it. That's the feeling that I get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, I was gonna, I'm glad you said it, Byron, because that's exactly how I feel every time I hear it. I mean, you know, unless I just play it back to back to back to back, every time I hear it, you know, just spontaneously, it's like the first, I feel like it's the first time that I'm hearing it. So I just, God, man, I just love this song. And don't, and don't even get started on the remixes that you know that they had for it, like you know the cloud mixes and stuff that they did, the extended versions or whatever. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah, that was a vibe. It created a vibe. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. All right, what's next, Kim? Next up, we have L L Cool J. It gets no rougher. I got a feeling it's gonna get hot in here, guys. No CMC, you know what I'm saying? Yo, cut ain't no joke. Yo, L, release the juice on him. Wait a minute. I release the juice, smack dab in your face. Do damage, I'm picking up the pace. My mic's like a torch when I'm walking at nighttime. Straight to the dome. It's like a pipeline. High speed, stronger than top weed. Before you pick up the mic, they can fly. You need all the dope tactics that you can feature. So I can serve you, you know the procedure. Listen to the man, intellectualized, visualized. Your whole posse getting paralyzed. I don't want to hear no alibis. Don't I put the highs in your eyes The bass in your face like the district attorney I'm on the case Who rhymes that'll hit you and get you and sit you down The competition is booty Get the picture now Skip the rigmarole <laughs> <laughs> Yo Yo, 1989 is on fire this morning I'm telling you, man Check it out That was one of the greatest of all time Listen to me One of the greatest of all time LL Cool J But it gets no rougher From the Walking Like a Panther album That particular track Was produced by Public Enemies Production team The Bomb Squad It's from the I think I said It was from the album Walking Like a Panther This is the, the third single From that album And now Check it out Byron I think I know your question Before you say anything I think you know, know What the question is yeah, uh, I've already alluded to it, but I'm like, okay, Marcus. Oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> you got jingling baby going back to Cali. I'm that type of guy. Why? So why this song? Exactly. I don't song? even remember. I don't even remember this, this is song. Not even, I, I didn't even remember this as a single. This is like I just knew it as just an album cut. I didn't realize it was even a single. 
release. Okay. okay, okay. I'll explain to you why, guys. All right. I just familiarized myself with this song probably about six, seven months ago. All right. You know, listen to Rock the Bells, who is by LL's That's channel on, on, on Sirius Radio Station. And I listened to it and just like, the vibe of it was just so catchy, so so wonderful. Just, just it did something to me, and so I started looking up the songs from 1989. And this makes the cut is one of the top songs of 1989 for whatever reason. Believe it or not, it was there. It gets no rougher. I mean, Google it yourself. What uh, list? What list had it at the top? This is not anything that was like hey. in heavy rotation. But, but this is the thing, though. It's 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 all about songs that were released in 1989 that meant something to you. To you. Oh, yeah. I'm not attacking Marcus on that. I mean, <laughs> okay. I, 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 obviously, this song resonated. Well, I was just curious. <laughs> but but, I mean, they yeah, were, but, but honestly, I feel that there were better songs. Those bangers on, on that album. This, oh on that God, album. Groundbreaking song. This is what did it for me. This it. This is what did it for me. At the beginning of the song, if you play the, at the beginning of the song, where LL goes, takes the alphabet, goes to A, the B, the C, the D, the E, the F, the G, the H, the I, the J. Anybody that can rap, the, that can spit the alphabet and make it sound good, that meant something to me. And, and that's, that's why I <laughs> So LL was untouchable no. at that particular point. There were people that tried to touch it, but he brought the heat every time. So he, he was the, heat, he was what the I, guy right at that time. And that's what I want to showcase his excellence as far as like his delivery style, as far as hip hop, his lyrics and whatnot. It just to me, it just that part just resonated with me and the production of the song itself. It all just resonated with me. Don't get me wrong. I love going back to Cali. I love Jingling Baby. I, I probably could have put Jingling Baby on here. I, I even like I'm that type of guy. I remember that video. You know, I'm that type of guy because it took me back to the Wizard of Oz when those those monkey guys, oh, we, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but this yeah. this song to me just resonated with me differently, but because of LL style and his, his genius as far as like his delivery, I think he kind of went back to his roots as far as like being a, that battle rapper from Queens, New York. That's just what resonated with me. That's why I picked that song. I hope I answered your question. If not, oh, well. Well said. Well said. <laughs> well said. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We appreciate your selection. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now what's next, Kim? <laughs> we taking it back to some Bobby Brown with some Roni. All right. You believe in love and all. Better do it. Anyway. Yeah. Roni yeah. is by our boy, singer Bobby Brown, written by Kenneth Babyface Edmonds, 
and an additional deal member. Remember the deal? Mm -hmm. um, Darnell Bristol. It was released as a single in 1988 on MCA label as the third single from Brown's second album and went number two on the Hot Black Singles Chart in January of 1989. Yeah, this song had some longevity. It definitely hit early on the R&B side, but it had some crossover appeal. And yeah, this is a big record. Bobby Brown was just on fire. He had he arrived. Was. He had arrived. This is like his second solo album. He hooked up with the perfect, the right producers. He did. The face, the face, I should say. The face. That whole collective, and he was unstoppable at that point. But was he the king of R&B? Man, hell no. <laughs> no, you know what? I would not know, and I definitely not at that point because he was really just getting started, and I don't think he really held on to that title anyway. Who would be considered the king of R&B? Is there anybody that's Luther. the king of R&B? Luther. Luther. Yeah, I could see that. Luther. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it may be even Stevie Wonder. There, there you have it, Stevie Wonder. Because not only did he sing it, he wrote it. So huh. Luther didn't write all of his stuff. He re he, Lutherized. Exactly. He Lutherized <laughs> other <laughs> other covers, yeah. but yeah. but Stevie, he wrote, did all the music, probably did all the backgrounds for most of it, or got some very pivotal people to do his background song singing. Oh, I'm so, so glad yeah. we're doing this. Oh, I'm so glad we're doing this. This, <laughs> hey. this brings up a point I'm going to make later on. But oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> and all that done by a man who couldn't see nothing. Mm -mm. Correct. Mm -mm. So, so that adds a whole nother element to it. So, Did he whoever, have anything for 1989? They were not? I don't, I don't think I saw anything. I don't think he was on the charts during that year. Okay. When did Jungle Fever come out? That was Around. in the 90s, right? I think 80s. that was early 90s. 90s, yeah. Okay. Because Jungle Fever, that was actually a very good album. But he was still very relevant. Stevie Wonder was definitely still relevant then, whatever oh. was going on. I can't remember. No, he oh. had the slow track one of our previous episodes. I think that was out around that time. Mm -hmm. When did Part Time Lover come out? That was like 87. Yeah. That was a little bit earlier, 80s. No, 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 no. That was 85, 86 time frame in that round. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Respectable, but yeah, hey, even still, in fact, I don't know who dubbed, we're not dissing Bobby Brown or anything, but whoever dubbed him the king of R&B, I would be. Oh, you forgot? No, I didn't want to say nothing about the dead people, you know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> no, but she did. I mean, she, 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 did. Proclaimed, she proclaimed that during one of her acceptance speeches. The original R&B king, I love you. Which rightfully, that was her hubby at the time. I get it, ride or die, but... Mm -hmm. eh. But you know, he, Bobby Brown brought a different element that we hadn't seen, it's like that whole bad boy, smooth element that was fresh at the time that yeah. people began to copy, I should say. People right, began to right, copy. right. And, and not only that, it's funny we're having this conversation about those two. Me and my wife last night, sometimes we just like to kind of sit around and watch old videos and stuff like that. We, we, we just so happen to watch, we have something in common. Yeah. Uh, by, <laughs> yeah, by him and Whitney Houston. And as we were watching that, I was thinking to myself, like, dang, man, they actually had something special in that song. And, and the video that they made, it just, I don't understand why they never did an album together. Yeah, and you know, as quiet as it's kept, that was one of the few songs that Whitney actually wrote on. Because, you know, she didn't write a lot of her stuff, but she apparently wrote her part for something in common. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, needless to say, 
we're not taking anything away from Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown definitely left his mark in the R&B world, and he's on our countdown this week, and it is what it is. Look, listen, he inspired a lot of dance moves that we were dancing to, um, yep. like with the dance groups that I was in or whatever, for some of that choreography. So, hey, what can I say? Yeah. Well, can I say is, what's next, Kim? <laughs> <laughs> next up is some Paula Abdul, straight up. All right. Straight up, it's a single by American recording artist Paula Abdul from her debut studio album, Forever Your Girl, released in 1988. The song is a mid-tempo dance pop song with influence from the pop rock and new jack swing genres. It was written and produced entirely by Elliot Wolf. The song was released as the album's third single on November 22nd, 1988 by Virgin Records. It became Paula Abdul's first top 40 hit in the United States before going on to be her first chart topper on the Billboard Hot 100. Her first two singles have been Modest, The Way That You Love Me, what was the other one, Knocked Out? I think that was her very first one. But this song helped the entire album reach the top 20 of the Billboard Hot 200 chart. And this also has remained her biggest international hit to date. There are a few interesting facts about the song. First of all, the original demo was tossed out by Paul Abdul's mom when they were searching for different songs for her to record. But she heard something in the song and pulled it out of the trash and kept it to record between her stint as Lakers Girl choreographer. And also, she recorded the song in a bathroom. Really? Yeah. So that's... Just read up on it. There's a lot of little interesting facts around this song, which makes it so unique and special in my eyes. Yeah. Definitely a special song, dude. I, de- I definitely remember this being on heavy rotation on the ra- all the radio stations. I remember the video. I remember I, I used to love to watch uh, Paula Abdul dance. Uh, mm-hmm. And later That's on, I- dance intro, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I-, I love that part. And like I said, Paula Abdul was really on fire, like in the late 80s, early 90s. She was really doing her thing. And uh, like I said, Byron, this is probably her biggest hit to date. It's just a feel-good song that makes you want to just kind of like you know, jam out. That's what I have to say about it. Yeah, love Paula Abdul. She was pretty good, but she was a great choreographer. And who did she choreograph for? The Lakers. Janet. And Janet. And let's listen to some Janet right now with Miss You Much. All right.
burning That's calories up in here. That's the end? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> look, look. <laughs> He's doing the chair routine, too. <laughs> Oh, but I knew that choreograph, man. Miss you much. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We well, all knew those moves. That was when you watched music videos and you stayed in front of the television and mm-hmm. learned all the choreography. That's mm-hmm. how we learned. Those yeah. were the days. Absolutely. That was Janet Jackson, Miss You Much, from probably one of the top. 10 greatest albums of all time rhythm nation 1814 that track was produced by the legendary who guys jimmy jam, jimmy jam Terry lewis. Terry lewis you better believe it spent four weeks at number one on the hot 100 it was the second number one of her career it was the longest number one of 1989 this got a grammy nomination for best female r&b and best r&b song and guys, to say the least, the song speaks for itself. I mean, it's just a man. I tell you what, man. I, not a whole lot you can say, but but just it's just Janet. I, I know this whole Blank. album because we couldn't have this whole episode be like fifteen Janet songs. Yeah. But I was I was about to pick "Come Back to Me," <laughs> and then I was about to pick "Rhythm Nation,", Rhythm Nation. and I had to look. All right. <laughs> All right, yeah. all right. That was my song. So, but I had to look, and Marcus already picked that when I was like, we can't have Janet all day. So, <laughs> where can we begin? Oh my god, I gosh, know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah this, the, the rollout, the rollout for this project was just the, the smartest thing, and you could tell that she had read from the Michael Jackson book because mm. the yeah. whole movie that this was part of that featured three singles, it was unseen unheard of at that particular point you know michael did you know do his massive video but no one had done like a little mini movie with this this whole storyline and the choreography and it's how it was done it was just i was so obsessed with it at the time i kid you not i think i, I still have a video cassette i went and got the video cassette for the movie and all of that excellent yeah absolutely janet jackson you know he's he's always going to be a staple in our community it's going to be a staple on this podcast because we all love Janet. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you say? You say you were the name Janet. You ain't got to say Jackson, just Janet. And everybody exactly. Knows, yeah, and everybody knows exactly who you're talking about. And that says a lot for her. So I mean, music gets timeless too. I think she goes mm-hmm. on that being the way Jimmy and Jam and Terry Lewis produced her stuff. It didn't sound like whatever was happening then. It was always a little bit forward. So that's why exactly. she had like that longevity appeal. Absolutely. And you said something right there, Marcus, about just say Janet. She was able to pivot herself out of being one of the Jackson children. She's just Janet now. Yeah. That's Janet. Miss she, Jackson. She made a name for herself. Yeah. You hear me? Miss Jackson if you're nasty. nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We love you, Janet. Okay. We love you. Yeah. What's next, Kim? All right. Another from that pop era in 1989 that's Jody Watley friends friends are hard to 
fine, so be careful. You can fry the end to the mind and prepare you. And some ain't that bad, but one might backstab to get their fingertips on what one might have. Fight the hand to feed you, lead the people who need you. For those who hold you back and mislead you, to be a leader, don't get led on or led in the wrong direction. A dead end's next thing. Need a detour, life's like a seesaw, ups and downs, and I bet there'll be more. Potholes and obstacles in a path that's righteous. At times, need a hand to fight this. Way of life, straighten up, take the thought and replace it. And don't you act too faced it. Cause jealousy and envy, and you still act friendly. We can fry in the end when you pretend to be. When will let you down? When you need. <laughs> you see, we're wow. singing all through the episode, right? Yes. <laughs> so, wow. What can I say about this song? Because not only the song, but the video, all that, it's just groundbreaking. All right. So, Friends is the second single from Jody Watley's second album, Larger Than Life, which was Larger Than Life. And just like her previous single, Real Love, became a multi format top 10 smash, reaching the top 10 of the pop, R&B, and dance charts in the U.S., as well as being her biggest single in the U.K. since her debut, Looking for a New Love. The song was one of the first ever to feature a rap artist, Eric B. and Rakim, and a singer. So people want to argue and say, no, Chaka Khan did it with Melly Mel. However, this is the first time that a rapper stood equally with an artist in a song and had multiple bars to to rap across. He was a major component of the song. So if Friends appeared at the top of the top 10, peaking at number nine for one week on the Billboard Hot 100. It also peaked at number three on the Hot Black Singles chart and number seven on the Hot Dance Club Play chart. All right. And one thing I want to say about groundbreaking when it comes to the video it was multifaceted. It included drag queens, it had people voguing, it had multi-races, it had gay straight people all in the video. It was a huge conglomerate of what was happening in the culture at the time. What do you all say about that? People don't talk about what Jody Watley was able to do back then. I put her up there with Madonna back then. Honestly, yeah, she I used was to called love. Black Madonna. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought was I the only one that thought she was like the Black Madonna because she had the same little the the, the skirts and everything. Her style yeah, was kind of that thing. Yeah, you no, don't people think, huh? <laughs> shut, shut up. No, Marcus. No, so that was the comparison. They heralded her as the Black Madonna at that really? time because she was yeah she was just that girl. She was a the it girl at the time. Yeah, she was. She was. They don't talk about what Jody Watley did and we need to definitely give her her flowers love Jody Watley I celebrate Jody I've met her a couple of times she's just as down to earth as you would expect her to be love her to death I'm a part of Wattage hey, so, <laughs> real quick real quick you may mention about Patti LaBelle and Melly Mel now was it Patti LaBelle and Melly Mel or was no, it uh, no Shaka, Shaka Khan. Khan Shaka Khan uh, okay, okay. Shaka Khan Shaka Khan Shaka Khan yeah yeah because I remember <laughs> I remember Patty LaBelle and Big Daddy Kane, they linked up on Feels Like Another One. That was mm-hmm. 1991. Was it? That was 1991, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew I knew it was someone in that same era. But think about it. Once Jody did this, that was the blueprint. Multiple artists started doing that. And that's pretty much what we have now. You can't hear a song now without having a rap section. You're right. Right. Absolutely. What's next, Cam? Next up, we got to change the pace a little bit with some bangles, Eternal Ooh. Flame. Say my name Sun shines through the rain The whole life Some only Then come and ease the pain I don't want to lose this feeling 
That's right, Byron. You picked the right part to put on here. <laughs> Eternal Flame was sung by the pop rock group The Bangles for their studio album, Everything, that was released in 1988. The power ballad was written by group member Susanna Haas with established hit songwriting team Billy Steinberg and Tom Kelly. Upon its 1989 single release, Eternal Flame became a number one hit in Australia, Sweden, United States, and the United Kingdom. Yes, that was the main thing about that song. I loved how she she just belted that out. Mm. That's what I love about that song. What say you? I get lost in this song every time I hear it. It's a glitter rock gem. I love the Bangles, not because they covered a print song as a first single, but no, I just love the the makeup of the group. It was all girl group. They were a step up from what the Go-Go's had presented. It was like the next generation from mm-hmm. the Go-Go's and they just had great personality and they were great to look at. And I can't say anything bad about the Bengals, but Marcus, um, I'm curious to hear what you're thinking. You don't seem to moved by this song. It's not Walk Like an Egyptian. <laughs> That's what you wanted to play. I like this one better. I'm sorry. I love this song. I mean, it's cool. Nice little ballad. Nice melody to it. And I'm like, Kim, I like how she built that high note at the end, but it's... I hate to be the party pooper. <laughs> you know, it just it didn't, do, it didn't do anything for me. But I mean, that's no, okay. dis- no disrespect. No, right. Yeah, that's no disrespect. Right. Yeah, no disrespect to the Bengals or what they've done. It just you know me. You know, hey, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> like Landis Queen. But I will say this though, I did get some Atlantis Morissette vibes from it, especially in the lead vocals. She was probably influenced by the whole vibe of. So, I mean, that's considered glitter rock. What what the Bengals were doing. Yeah, and I guess they gave that name glitter because of the the tambourines and and all of the stuff that they teamed with a lot of the music, or maybe because it was all women. I don't know pixies. I don't know where that came from, but but it was a vibe. It was actually a movement in in LA at that time. What's next, Kim? All right, next up, we're gonna go back into some R and B with some Frankie Beverly and Maze mm. with "Can't Get Over You." Anything about them. And That was mm-hmm. Frank Beverly featuring Maze with Can't Get Over You. That was their second number one. Second and final number one. It was their first release on their new label, the Warner Brothers Records, which opens up a whole nother discussion for me. Warner Brothers, I think around the 80s and 90s area, I don't know what they had going on, but like, isn't that the same label that Prince had the issues with? Yeah, yeah. Like- Warner Brothers was one of the major labels, so right, a lot of artists that we know of were that were popular were on that label right that right, was yeah that was prince's label yes right but 
did they have a issue as far as like how they treated artists and whatnot? Because the reason why I'm asked, because I, I think Prince had an issue with Warner Brothers. This was Frankie Beverly and Mazes, their only number one with the label. So I'm just kind of wondering, do they have a reputation as far as like not taking care of artists or from what you, from, from your experience, Byron? At that time, it wasn't anything that was vocalized that I was aware of. Prince became very vocal and exposed a lot of stuff as well as other artists as time went on. But at that time, it wasn't on my radar to know. Yeah, it, yeah. People seemed to, seemed to live their life to me. When I think about Warner, but I think about Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Warner, Warner it, yeah, yeah. To me, Warner Brothers couldn't do any wrong, but it's like, I just wanted to ask that question because there were a lot of artists, acts that were signed to Warner Brothers, and I just remember Prince, and, and when they said that this was their final number one by Frankie Beverly Mays, and Frankie Beverly Mays being that, that, that super wonderful act that they were, I just couldn't understand why they could only spawn just this one, I ain't gonna say hit, but it's one number one. So I, that's the only reason why I asked that. Well, they had, they had a huge presence on R&B. I mean, they, they weren't really a crossover act anyway. But it's kind of interesting to hear like the chart performance because yeah. as much as they were played, you just never really realize that songs are not performing well on the chart, but they get the heavy push on the radio and they're in, it, it becomes a soundtrack of your lives. So these songs are a soundtrack of our lives. Yeah. And so to me, they are hits. I mean, regardless of what they, they did on the charts, but I'll say this for me, then labels weren't really on my radar. I just knew that people got a record deal and that's what it what it was but the whole distinguishing factor between the, all the different labels and who was doing this the most or the best or whatever gotcha that was never a concern that really didn't come to my real caring or knowledge until the 90s i was to oh. say in, into the 90s all right i appreciate that Byron. but needless to say when you think about frankie beverly mays anything or any and everything that they made was just a soothing mm. relaxing experience i've made this mention before when I about York peppermint patties, that's what I that's what I think about. <laughs> mm-hmm. When I listen to anything by Frankie Beverly Mays, you know, especially I just, I, Golden Time of Day, mm, top mm. shelf, mm. Hey, top shelf. Don't mm. don't on that shelf. Mm. Jesus, I'm, I'm so- <laughs> <laughs> top shelf. That is like, I mean, aside Ooh. from. Um, I can't, not can't get over. What's the song that everybody knows? Everybody plays it. Before I let go. Before I let go. Mm. Golden time, golden time of day is my favorite. Yeah, golden time of day is my favorite. Mate, uh, Frankie Berry. And happy feelings. And happy feelings. Games. Oh yeah, I forgot about um, we we are one. We are one. We don't mm-hmm. want too many yeah. games back in yeah. stride. Let's start naming all their songs. Wow. Girl, we'll yeah. sit here and name all of them. <laughs> yeah. We love us some Frankie Beverly Mays, yeah. honey. Goodness. Yeah. And they became a touring band, so they continuously toured from that time like to more yeah. recent. That's how yeah. they made their money. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. And I hate the fact that Frankie Beverly lost his voice or was losing his voice. I'm not I'm not sure if he's still touring now, but like there was a time where he had lost his voice and, and it was just I think he was playing. I think he was performing on one of the BT Awards, maybe where he just couldn't get, he just he was struggling so bad to get those notes. And I, I remember shedding a tear like, dang, has man. he been diagnosed with anything? Uh, I we don't been. know. However, you, you have to keep in mind that we're like we said earlier before we're losing a lot of our our heavy hitters in the r&b and hip-hop industry and frankie beverly is either in his 70s or possibly 80s so yeah yeah what what can you do 
what can you do? Exactly, what can you do? But uh, man, I just tell you what. But the music will never die. It'll uh, never die. It will never die. And so, you know, big salute to Frankie Beverly and Maze, man. And this is just one of the many, many hits that this group spawned over the years. What's next, Kim? All right. Next up, we're going to keep the vibe going with Roberta Flack and Oasis. goodness i had to include always i could not overlook roberta flack because this was a heavily played song in 1989 it was the soundtrack of my year i, I could do not i mean that was but uh yeah. when i when i think of that song this song i think of video soul all of that because it was on heavy rotation but anyway oasis is 1988 single written by marcus miller and mark stevens and recorded by roberta flack the title track off of her 1988 album of the same name it was her 11th album if i'm not mistaken the single was her first to chart on the hot black singles chart in four years peaking at number one on the hot black singles chart for one week. The single was the first time in 10 years that Roberta Flack made the top spot, but Oasis, believe it or not, did not chart on the Hot 100. And the point I was going to make earlier when we were talking about, I think, the king of R&B and all of that, and we, I think we got on onto the tangent about people who write their songs. Roberta Flack, to me, was the original songwriter. Mm-hmm. I saw her as a songwriter. I knew her as a child as a songwriter, you know, a singer that wrote her, wrote her own songs. My visions of her is always at the at the piano singing the song mm-hmm. that she wrote. So yeah. she holds a dear place. I've met her personally, too. I'll have to share that story one day. <laughs> but she's just so lovely. And she, unfortunately, has some health issues that's preventing her from singing as well. So she's writing books now. Now, what's this song from a movie? It sounded like it was from a movie. I can't remember. The first time ever I saw your face. That no, one. I'm talking about Oasis. No, 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 no. This, this song. Oh, was, oh, was this song in the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, it's reminding me of some movie, but I cannot remember what. If it were, I don't know if it was featured in a movie. I just remember the video. Yes. The video. Sound like okay. it should have been in- might should have been in Ghostbusters or one of those movies. I, I think I know what Kim's talking about. Yeah, yeah it, it really sounds familiar. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, we love Roberta Flack. I mean, Killing Me Softly and yeah. all her duets with Donny Hathaway. Shoot, mm. honey, we love Roberta Flack. She uh, definitely, didn't she recently receive an award? 2020, she got the Lifetime Achievement Grammy. Okay, that's what I thought. And right. she deserves it. She oh, definitely yeah. deserves it. A lot of people don't get the credit they reserve as far as like songwriting. You know, they hear the song and they hear the person singing it. But as far as like songwriting, people, a lot of people don't understand that there are a lot of artists that are behind the scenes of a lot of our favorite songs that we may not understand. But Roberta Flack was just one of those people. And I just, first time I ever saw your face was my favorite, to say the least. But another great banger by Roberta Flack. What's next, Kim? All right. Next up, Shower Me With Your Love by Serpent. <laughs> Like the stars that shine way up in 
good to keep going. Shoot. <laughs> Shower Me With Your Love is a 1989 single by R&B group Surface from their second studio album, Second Wave, which was released in 1988. The song was one of the most popular to date, becoming the group's second number one on the Billboard Hot Black Singles Charts, where it stayed for one week. Shower Me With Your Love was also a successful crossover hit, peaking at number five on the Hot 100. Wow. Where is Surface nowadays? They, am I wrong? Did they lose like a couple of their members? I believe they did because they were touring, but I think they lost some of their main members. If I'm wrong, I'm not really sure. Hey guys, don't forget. Check us out on Facebook on the We've Got That Good Good Experience podcast on Facebook. And also, if you live in the Bainbridge, Georgia area, check out that We've Got That Good Good radio show that airs on Saturdays at 1 p.m. right after Motown Memories with Tom Fallon. And that's in the Bainbridge, Georgia area. And keep it locked right here. You're listening to the We've Got That Good Good Experience podcast. What you got, Byron? All right. Well, they have lost two members. Karen Copeland is deceased. David Townsend is deceased. But Bernard Jackson and David Pitt are former members. They're still around, but the group is no longer active. Okay. Mm. The group is no longer active. So they were only active from um, 1983 to 1984 and then in 1999. But they're no, they're no longer. See, later years, I see Jackson and Townsend left the group in 1994 and surfaced disbanded in 1998. They reformed and released Love Zone. And a few years later, announced the return to live performances with Conley, Jackson, Townsend, and Collins, an effort that was abruptly canceled when Townsend was found dead at his home oh, uh, at, on October 26, 2005, of unknown causes at the age of 50. Almost mm-hmm. two years after his father, Ed Townsend, death, he's a co-writer of Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. Wow. So just to make sure that we know who everyone is, the group consisted of bassist Bernard Jackson, David Townsend, and David Pick Conley. Bernard Jackson is the lead singer. So they're the only two remaining members from the group. Okay. Uh, all right. What's next, Gail? All right. Next up, Dion Estes, Heaven Help Me. Another song that more than one of us picked. <laughs> all right. Take the pictures, windows and the walls but baby won't you leave me my peace of mind oh such a waste of time oh such a waste i still want you baby heaven help me talk to strangers Love this song. Timeless. Yes, go right ahead. Can I say something real quick? You know, every time we do these podcasts and we do the different years, I'm always looking forward to finding that song that I haven't heard since that year. Mm. You know, and this is one of them. (laughs) I know. I mean, they put, honestly, this is one of them songs you had to catch every once in a while back then. And now you don't hear it at all. But when, when I saw Heaven Help, me, I was like, oh my God, I remember that song. Yeah. <laughs> if you listen to the Rewind Radio Network, you will hear this song because I made <laughs> sure that we program it into our repertoire, our archives of music that we present on this classic hip-hop R&B 
and Gen X radio station plugging that, yes. We 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 play the gems, we dig deep into the crates to make sure that you have that overall experience and you get the true straight no chaser version of how radio should be. That being said, Heaven Help Me is the lead single from the debut album of American musician and singer best known as the bass player of Wham and the basis of George Michael's first two projects, Jeffrey Dion Estes. It was from his album, his debut album, Spell, and featured background vocals by George Michael and reached number five on the hot Billboard 100. And just so you all know, I don't know if you all were aware of this, but Dion passed away on October 11th, 2021. He was age 65. Mm-hmm. So he's one of our fallen heroes as well. Wow. Yes, I do recall when he passed away. Because that was another time where they announced that he passed away. And I was like, why do I know that name? And they said, heaven help me. I was like, oh, my God, that's him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, may yeah. he also rest in peace. I'm, I'm when this really, song first I'm, came out, did you all think it was a George Michael song? Yes, I did. I, did. I, I thought did. it was it was George Michael. I did. Uh, I did. I really get tired of rest in peace. And, but at the same time, I'm thankful that we have this show. I mm-hmm. really, really do what's next Kim? <laughs> all right next up we got to take this to some osley brothers oh, mr spend the night this walk mm. with me tonight actually on the album spend the night with the very first song and this was released october 5th 1989 and this was written by ron isley and his wife at the time and guess who that was it was angela winbush angela winbush yes actually you can hear her singing back up in the song it sounds yeah. like an Angela Wimbush song. It, it does, does sound like an does. Angela Wimbush song. But no, she wants us to say Angela. 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 Okay. So <laughs> Angela, you can hear her influence all through the song. But this was one of them songs that that would come on during the quiet storm mm-hmm. and it would just, just take you and put you in that mood. What say you? Oh gosh. Constant rotation always heard. <laughs> soundtrack of 1989 into 1990 we played this in band like when we were playing around in the stands the games Ooh. just vibing play this as well yeah um, please spend the night i know right yeah yeah <laughs> not the entire band but you know like the, you know yeah i know you're talking about what, we used to do the same thing it was like a certain select guys that would play like the the hits you know just playing yeah, around always so. vibe out a little bit yeah yeah know? yeah but y'all played this one 
Mm-hmm. Why wow, not? Okay. Shoot. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, it was a popular <laughs> Wow. Now nah, he's probably thinking your teacher didn't come in there and say that. Turn it off. No, 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 no. I mean, it, it would just be like during the during the, like we're sitting up in the stands during the football games, and they were just they were always the tuba player, some of the percussionists, right. saxophonists were always have like their little things that they were they were vibe out. Yeah, I, 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 I was part of that group too, Barry. I was a tuba player, and like I said, we, I remember playing Chub Rock, uh, Treat Him Right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we played Chip Your Lover, mm-hmm. all those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but getting back to the Osby brothers, I don't know this for a fact. Don't quote me on this. But I, as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking that it seems like the Osley brothers are probably one of the few groups that remain that had a hit in every decade since the 50s. You're, you're actually absolutely right. You're absolutely right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think Shout came out in the 50s, and then you got the 60s, 70s. I mean, in every They're the only ones that hold that. Yeah, they're the only ones that really can um, hold that record. It, at least one year in a decade, they've had a hit. They've had a hit since, since the 50s. And even though, officially, one of the brothers, Rudolph, officially left the group after recording this particular album in 1989, you know you always see... Ron yep. Isley with another brother. So mm-hmm. now it's just mainly Ron Isley, but he always has his other brother there with him. So it's mm-hmm. technically still kind of like the Isley brothers. Yeah, yep. absolutely. They are and look, he's, And he's already done it for this this decade. Yes, you know, he has. The his plug. Current, <laughs> this current project has been then, very popular. And then uh, the one they got with Beyonce, that's a remake though, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Of, of the old song. But still though, I mean, think about it. To the, to the newer generation, it's new to them. And you know. yeah, but they <laughs> need to listen to the original. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Beyonce adds the ting, but you got to go to the original. Yeah. The original is the, the blueprint. There you go. There you go. <laughs> What's next, Kim? We are at the last song. I told you this is going to go fast. Already? Yep. And our last song is Vanessa Williams, Dreaming. Woo! Wow. <laughs> So check it out. That was Dreaming by Vanessa Williams, the third single from her album, The Right Stuff. This particular song was written by Lisa Montgomery and Geneva Pascal. It was originally performed by the group Gwen, G-U-I-N-N, in uh, 19... I'm glad you mentioned that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to get you. He was going to get you, Marcus. ready, <laughs> Motown group, yeah. Yes, it was performed by them. This song peaked at number eight on the Hot 100. And my question to you guys is this. 
How come we don't talk too much about how talented Vanessa Williams was? Who doesn't? She still is. I, Who doesn't? I think, I think I, what, I what happened... happened talk about the world as a whole, the, the culture the as Vanessa, a whole. The culture as a whole. I think yeah. what happened is once she ventured into acting and she's a great actress also, I think people forgot that she can still sing her butt off too. I want but she Vanessa, had some great, great songs. Go ahead. I want Vanessa Williams to come back and give us another right stuff and comfort zone. I need that era because she can still do it. She elevated her craft. She was always sophisticated. She was always this very polished as a performer. But when she got into the whole Broadway stuff and her repertoire just increased and she kind of stayed along that elevation. But I would love a nice urban album from Vanessa Williams. I think she could pull it off. I love the era. Especially dance, the right she, stuff. Hmm? And she could dance. She could dance. Maybe but yes, during that time, she had a lot of hits during the um, late 80s and 90s. She was, she really she was on a track. She was mm-hmm. she was consistent. And you know, and I was I was obsessed with Vanessa Williams too because I was like, okay, Miss Miss America, <laughs> former Miss America, and she was proving everyone wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and she did. did her wrong. Yeah, she they she, did her dirty. Yeah, they did her dirty, but she didn't care. She, she came back, reinvented herself as this major pop star. She was getting hits on both the pop charts as well as R&B charts and acting still then, popping up in acting roles then, and she hasn't looked back. You're right. Proud of you. Proud of you, Vanessa. Yeah, we celebrate around. you every day. That's why I was like, she's never really fallen off to be Marcus. Um, yeah. She's always been consistently doing her craft. I, and yeah. we got to remember her in Ugly Betty and Desperate Housewives. Mm-hmm. She's good. Yeah. And I never thought she was falling off. I just didn't feel like she got the, the recognition that she deserved because of what she's done. I mean, she was a, a heck of a singer, a, a great actress. She could dance. She could do just do a lot of stuff. And I just... I met her before, too. <laughs> <laughs> and she's very beautiful. And she's deserves her flowers and yeah she needs to be getting those flowers yeah every day absolutely so guys unfortunately we've come to the end of another great episode of this wonderful podcast i know but don't worry we got more coming to you guys matter of fact we're going to definitely revisit this particular year at some point down the road again there was just too way too much music for us to just to stop it right here so stay tuned for that also again like i said follow us on facebook if we got the good good experience podcast also you can listen to this podcast everywhere that you listen to your podcast we're on iheart we're on spotify we're on amazon where else can where we are we were everywhere that you watch or listen to your favorite podcast everywhere and also, don't forget, if you live in the Bainbridge, Georgia area, check us out on 92.7 WKOD at 1 p.m. for the We Got the Good Good Experience radio show. And until next time, don't be just good. Be good, good to each other. Until next time, y'all. Take care. Bye, good, good family. Take care.